everyone, and welcome back to Let's Chat Markets, your favorite dairy podcast. Into the new year, it seems that we just can't stop talking about weather in the dairy industry. New Zealand is too wet, Europe is unseasonably warm, Australia is experiencing floods, and here in the U.S., thousands of Californians are under evacuation orders, and floods are threatening that state as well. In 2022, High Ground Dairy's Curtis Bosma moved back to the Central Valley in California, and since this has been such a hot topic for U.S. milk production discussions, we have him on with us today to discuss some of the key issues and talking points that have come from all the rain happening out west. Hey, Curtis, welcome back. Hey, Alyssa, thanks for uh, for having me on once again. It's good to be here in California. It's it's good to see the rain, and I know there's been a lot of questions flying my way this week with everything going on out here. Yeah, I can only imagine. So when you moved to California last year, drought discussions were still prevalent. Uh, The snowpack was improving, but we certainly weren't expecting this. How has all this rain been out there for you guys? Yeah, I like to think that I have some responsibility in being able to take some of the Midwestern weather and all the nice rains that consistently uh, show up in the Midwest and brought them with me to California uh, when I moved out here this past summer. I don't think it's quite that simple. California has a very unpredictable climate. But yeah, it's been kind of touch and go here for certain regions. Where where I'm at in Visalia, uh, it's really not too bad. It's As you go further south, it's typically drier, so there's really not as much of an issue. Uh, But for a lot of the dairies up in uh, the North Valley, so Merced County, Stanislaus County, uh, and especially around that Sacramento, San Francisco kind of delta region right there, that's where you're seeing all the stuff that's popping up on national news with uh, flooding and evacuations and all the issues that are kind of ensuing from that. So for our listeners outside of California and perhaps in New Zealand or Europe, could you walk us through some of the dynamics of water in California? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, California's water situation is very complex and there are definitely a lot of people out there that know much more about the topic than I do. But as a nerd that likes to read a lot of things about a lot of things, um, I have uh, done a lot of my own kind of independent reading into everything that's going on out here in the state. And I've you know been fortunate enough to talk with a lot of people that are much smarter than me and, and know a lot more about this stuff. So yeah, I mean, it, California is an interesting one where essentially the state is chronically in a state of either too wet or too dry, and it is purely kind of random. Uh, obviously, over the last couple of years, the, the term triple dip La Nina has been in the news a lot, which has brought drier conditions to the western U.S. and specifically California as well. When it does rain in California, we tend to get you know an excess of rain here, and a lot of that rainwater ends up kind of swiftly moving towards the ocean and essentially kind of flushing out through the various rivers and, and deltas and things like that. And so if you look at kind of the the history of, of water in California, there's always been sort of this human interaction with trying to find ways to store water and be able to make it more usable for residents within California. Probably one of the biggest you know engineering marvels in the U.S. is the California Water Project, which was developed over the 1950s and 60s, uh, which essentially captures a large amount of water throughout most of the Sierra Nevada mountain range and up in the northern part of California as well, where there's um, some mountains up there as well. Uh, And essentially just has pipelines and such and canals and a whole network of, you know, ways of moving water throughout the state 
so that areas that, you know, don't have water can get it. Realistically, if you look at, you know, Los Angeles and that greater area, it's a desert. It, it really shouldn't have as many people as it has. But because of all the, you know, technological advances that California has made, uh, it, it was able to kind of expand and become the metropolitan area that it is today. So that's, I, I guess, the outline of it. I like to think of it as a, a balance sheet of, you know, supply and demand of, you know, how water gets utilized in, in California. I mean, there's about, you know, let's call it 200 million acre feet of water. So acre feet is essentially like you know, a foot of water over the area of one acre that gets brought to California uh, each year in an average year. Uh, this year, we're likely going to see more because of obviously all the, the rain and snow that we're getting. Um, and then that also, you know, some of that water comes in from rivers that are flowing from Oregon and Nevada and, and other regions as well. Roughly, you know, 50% of that water immediately just gets fed to the environment. So that goes through streams, groundwater basins, things like that, uh, ultimately ends up just being evaporated or, you know, recharging water tables throughout the state. The other 50% of the water is essentially the usable water. Of that half, about half of it gets allocated for uh, environmental purposes um, to make sure that, you know, all the streams and rivers and such where there are fishes and things like that get proper water allocations. Uh, and then the other half of it essentially gets allocated between agriculture without throughout the state of California uh, and urban usage as well. So of that, you know, on an average year, 200 million acre feet of water, really only 25% is the usable stuff that's highly argued about throughout people in the state. Wow, you really did do your research. That's impressive. I like to think of it as kind of like, you know, when people are looking at the, the corn market, thinking of things in a stocks use ratio and all that stuff, I kind of wanted to have my own little California water balance sheet. And there's certainly some issues with it when it comes to how that balance sheet is set up, because there is in an average year, a decent amount of supply. The real issue that California is plagued with now is just the lack of storage. So even though we have a water excess year, like we're seeing right now, since the last update to water storage in California, the last major update was really like in the 1970s. Uh, and the population in the state of California has doubled since then. There's now, you know, over 40 million people here. There needs to be more done to keep up with that infrastructure. So it, it's not really a uh, great balance sheet to look at when you look at it in terms of how things are being allocated. But it, it is an interesting thing to, to analyze for sure. Yeah, and it sounds absolutely necessary given everything going on. Well, I think we can get into politics then. Uh, there's been a lot of chatter, of course, in the news regarding the political issues surrounding water in California. Uh, could you shed some additional light there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of things going on here in California. A couple years back, one of the big things that came up was the passing of the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act, or SIGMA, as they call it which is essentially a bill that says that now that California has to be able to regulate itself and become essentially sustainable with its groundwater usage. And that's something that you know is kind of surprising to a lot of people to hear that California did not have anything like that in place because many surrounding states like Arizona and Nevada already have rules and regulations around you know how groundwater gets allocated and such. But California really was truly the Wild West when it comes to some of those things. So unfortunately, a lot of that stuff was implemented during a severe drought. So it was very difficult for a lot of farmers to look at that and say, hey, how, how are we going to get this back to a level that makes sense for everybody to operate here? But thankfully, you know, now that we're in a wet year, 
some of the you know, systems and mechanisms in that plan is set up to where in a water excess year, farmers can take some of the water that's coming off from the mountains and essentially use it to recharge the aquifer and, and the water table beneath them. Um, so we're seeing a, a great deal of that. And I've never seen so many farmers excited about putting water on dirt right now. Yeah, when you talk to people in the Midwest versus California, it's very difficult to to explain that that level of excitement there. And then there has been actually it was this week there was a new bill proposed from my congressman here in the Central Valley of California, Congressman David Valadeo, uh, called the Working to Advance Tangible and Effective Forms for California Act. So it sounds like a very long winded bill name, but it is a beautiful acronym because it stands for Water. So it's the Water for California Act. And in that is some provisions to expand water storage. And specifically, it was kind of highlighted on the Shasta Dam, which is in Northern California, which is a project that's been talked about for a long time. But that sort of brings us to like the underlying political issues that kind of come with this. And I I don't know, Alyssa, have you ever seen the movie Thank You for Smoking? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, one of my favorite movies. For our listeners that haven't seen it, Aaron Eckhart plays a, a lobbyist for a big tobacco company, and he has quite questionable ethics throughout the movie. And one of my favorite scenes from that is his like son is asking him, he's kind of prompted to write an essay for a class in school and says, you know, why is the American government the best government in the world? And Aaron Eckhart's character, which, which is the lobbyist for big tobacco, says, because of our endless appeals process. He's like, that's the beauty of any argument is you argue correctly, you're never wrong because you can keep arguments kind of going forever. So that kind of seems to be the way that California is handling a lot of these water issues where when we look at the balance sheet, there's obviously some imbalances between supply and demand. And over the last couple of decades here, a lot of the focus has been on just restricting demand and making different adjustments to how much water people can use and, and how all that stuff gets allocated. Whereas there's been very little done on the supply side to correct things there. I mean, the, the argument definitely has two sides of how we're going to correct the supply and demand imbalance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always say the funny thing is, I mean, both sides have lawyers with mortgages and those lawyers are going to keep the lawsuits open as long as they can. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, that's a great explanation. <laughs> Thank you. That's perfect. I think last but not least, one of the more important things to discuss here and share a lot of our listeners are curious what has this impact or what will this impact have on dairy farmers in California? Are we going to see a cutback in milk from the region because of this? Will it improve? What kind of lasting impact will we see? Yeah, I mean, definitely the key thing that we've been focusing on this week with the, the high ground team as we're analyzing the water situation here in California and, and how much has come down. And if you look at U.S. milk production, the top five counties that produce milk in the U.S., are all in the Central Valley of California. Tulare County, the county I live in, is actually one. And as you go further north, as I mentioned before, there's definitely some issues there. So when you get into Merced, Stanislaus County, there are some dairies that have been dealing with surrounding areas that have been flooded and some issues with that. We haven't really heard anything in terms of where there's been issues with trucks getting in and out. So it seems like Things are still operational as everything stands today, recording this podcast in the morning on January 13th. But also going to keep in mind that there's another storm on the way here and potentially more in the future. So if, if we continue to see rain, we're kind of on the brink now of where we could potentially see some issues. But for the most part, in talking with producers, um, everyone got their generators up and running and was able to deal with power outages and all the other things that have been going on. 
And so it's uh, been a little touch and go. And in some of those areas where there are you know, evacuation orders in effect, making sure that labor is available and things like that has also been a bit of an issue. So where we're at right now, it seems like everything's okay. There hasn't been too much of a major interruption, but if we continue to get rain, there could be some problems right around the corner here. Very informative. Thank you so much for the conversation, Curtis. We are, of course, glad that you and your family are safe, as we know it's gotten kind of scary there in some parts of the state. Yeah, it is kind of crazy. And, it, you know, California's way of sometimes we get a lot of water, sometimes there's not enough water. It seems like things are, are never kind of balanced here. So I, I definitely feel for the families right now in, in the state that are having to deal with a lot of this craziness. And, and we hope everybody out there is staying safe. Absolutely. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode and be sure to subscribe to our podcast that you don't miss a beat in the dairy markets. The U.S. markets will be closed on Monday, the 16th of January in observance of Martin Luther King Day. But we look forward to coming back to work Tuesday to a global dairy trade auction event and a week of price forecast discussions as the team will be pushing out our 18-month price outlook in just a couple days here. Have a great rest of your day. Cheers. Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And if you're interested in receiving more information as well as our analysis, please visit highgrounddairy.com to request a free 30-day trial today. Futures and options trading involves substantial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Um.